So in our last podcast, uh, we talked about what sex is a little bit. I actually defined it from the book, Come As You Are, and started to discuss how it changed me. But today, (laughs) our podcast is having a first, I mean, there's this is only episode five, but a first um, interview conversation question with a special guest discussing what sex is. I'm super excited. Welcome, Lenore. Um, I'm super glad for you to be able to join us, um, me all of us hopefully there'll be thousands of people who are listening to this one day yes um (laughs) and today we're going to be talking a little bit about what is sex um first i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you why i chose you specifically for this okay Um, and why you're the chosen chosen one Um, (laughs) so i asked a bunch of people this question of what is sex and um the last um podcast that we did I talked a little bit about how the definition changed. And so I actually asked 10 people um, what sex is, and I got a range of answers, have mercy. But they kind of followed age a little bit, but not always. Um, But I think your answer to me was probably the most encompassing. And especially when we discussed... um, for you, how that's changed and how that's come about. Like, I was just like, this is going to be so amazing to share with people because, you know, I'm on my little sex exploration, but really you've done amazing at being able to navigate this space. So I'm super excited for everybody to like hear from you and for us to discuss this and to like explore these ideas. Yeah, thanks. Well, I definitely sent you a paragraph. So that makes sense why it was the most <laughs> encompassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got some paragraphs from some other people. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yours had a little, a, a few more options than I think. Of all the options that I got, yours included the most of the other answers I got. Ah, uh, got it. Which is interesting. Yeah, I definitely got a lot of like. We'll get to that actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So my name is Lenore. Some people know me as Lenny. Um, What about myself? So I wear many hats. Um, The first and foremost is that I'm working on my own business. It's a decor business. So I do balloons, um, any kind of decor that you're looking for, for your parties and anything to celebrate sort of. Um, So you can find me on Instagram at Noir Decor and that's N-W-R D-E-C-O-R. It's super important for me because we've been doing this whole like journey with Black Lives Matter and I'm a black business. So if you're looking for, yeah, if you're looking for a party supplier um, to help you, then come to me. And if I can't help you, I'll find someone else who can. So that's my first hat. I'm a budding entrepreneur, I would say. I work full time for a financial tech company that deals with, um, lending out like credit cards basically for when you go in your shop in stores. Um, So that journey has been interesting. So learning about the FinTech space and then Mm -hmm. um, I'm a human. 
<laughs> I would say. <laughs> I'm just like learning and growing. Um, been recently on a very spiritual journey, um, learning about the universe and about energies and about how I can be the best version of myself and my life mm-hmm. path, etc. So I would just define that as my humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like everything is going to be defined as in the space of 2020 during the lockdown. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I swear it's like before COVID and after COVID instead really? of really. Yeah. Yeah. During because. Oh hey, yeah. Right. That's the whole than- thing. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So great. I'm super excited. Like <clears throat> I know for um, me, definitely this journey and I'm definitely personally calling this exploration um, has been challenging and exciting and fun and like take my breath away. (laughs) Yeah. So to find other people who are on a similar journey is so exciting um, because it's, it's, um, I feel like in some, I feel some days we're making history. Yeah. Silent history right now, but like definitely making history. And that's amazing to me. It is. And you know what? You're just, you're vibrating and attracting people who are like-minded because your frequency is just like, you know what? Are you sex positive? Are you sex positive? Everybody, yeah, do you know what that positive. means? Like, <laughs> uh, it is amazing. And you know, like, the incredible thing is you hear these things sometimes or you see these like memes sometimes or you know what I mean? Like people say these things and you think like that's for them. That's this other group of people that do crazy things. And um, <laughs> right? right. But absolutely. When you start to challenge yourself, um, the people who just show up, it's like, oh, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Hey. Yeah. All right. I'm here for that. Um, I've definitely been absolutely amazed and um, just in awe, sometimes just so inspired. And it's been difficult for me to, uh, it's been difficult for me to be like, this isn't what exactly was supposed to happen. Yeah. (laughs) It just feels so organic. Letting go of what you thought was supposed to happen or what society tells you is supposed to happen is like a, a huge step. And it's so liberating once you're like, mm, I don't think that's for me. Yeah. 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 I definitely still speak in words of permission. And um, this podcast is definitely budding. But I know as the time goes by and as I grow and share more, um, like literally you guys are walking with me through this process, but I know the difference between last year and this year has been grand. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just in awe. I'm, I, I wish in some ways, and I know we've talked about this, but I wish in some ways that I had the opportunity to do this in my twenties. Um, yeah. It would have been, it would have been a totally different journey though. And so I've gone through that feeling like I've lost, not that I've lost, but that I wish that I could have been more open when I was younger and not spend so much time worrying or not enjoying myself sexually or even knowing myself sexually. Um, And that I like spent a lot of my twenties. But 
ultimately that's what led me to this great like revelation mm-hmm. and self-discovery that I think might not have been as monumental otherwise. And so it's sort of like a trade-off and it sucked in the moment. Definitely mm-hmm. that decade was not my favorite, <laughs> but, but I'm happy in hindsight. I'm happy that it panned out the way that it did because I had such an amazing like coming out party shall we say not actually coming out but I was like into, hey, my, into you- my own coming into my own <laughs> oh my goodness I really feel like we should make that a thing I'm yeah. so down for our coming out parties um, yeah. on sex positivity and just like instead of waiting till you're getting married to have bachelor parties with lots of penises like just being like hey I'm more sex positive today we're gonna have a party this year like absolutely absolutely some people call those orgies but whatever that's (laughs) neither here nor there (laughs) okay (laughs) um it might happen like that honestly but um yeah i just you know what one one thing that happened to this last year actually um we're in july right now so in june last year is getting divorced. And I was so surprised at how many people, um, like I was in this restaurant and I was having this conversation and I ended up being very flabbergasted at some comment that I heard. No, I had said something and the person that I went, was with screamed and mm. everybody in the restaurant started staring at me. And then they were like, what, fill us in. And I was just like, oh, this is not a group conversation, but okay. Right? And so I ended up saying like, I'm getting divorced and everybody started clapping yeah and I was like what is happening <laughs> they're just like yay congratulations I was like what and I feel like that is part of this process of just us being able to celebrate with each other recognizing that you know all these parts of life life can be so difficult but we're here for each other. Like we're not alone in this. We all go through it. Grief is something that's a part of life. You know, you get through that process and you get to the other side and you're better for it. So I love it. Absolutely. And like, I, I can see some parallels. Like it's not that I got divorced. I've never been married, but I had um, a breakup a couple of years ago. That was really the start of my journey into coming into my own and being sexually positive because I was just so unfulfilled and I just started seeking Mm -hmm. that with myself and I think that one of those kinds of like monumental shifts in your life really change your Mm -hmm. perspective and drive Mm -hmm. you to search for happiness and if that means great sex which it should all of the time um (laughs) then so be it yeah absolutely um yeah it allows you to ask them new questions hopefully Mm -hmm. hopefully that's Mm -hmm. what it does but um I think that's why it's so important to start these types of dialogues because it um it worries me it it terrifies me how little we speak about these things that are supposed to be daily activities and parts of our like foundational existence and how little we know and understand um and just kind of float through life like it's it's actually wild and I didn't notice I really did not notice until you brought it up last week (laughs) like I've been going through this journey on my own and that's fine or within my my circle and Mm -hmm. it wasn't until we had the conversation last week that I was like wow we never talk about this like not Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. 
So I'm hoping that I'm going to change that for the world because yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. I I I fear that the more taboo things are, the more dangerous they are, mm-hmm. um, and um, and it should just be a part of like our existence. Like it should just be a part of our existence. I talk about what I eat some days. I talk about the orgasms I had. Like it should. It's whatever. As simple as that, as opposed to being so afraid to have this conversation. And I'm saying this and I'm saying this while I'm still completely terrified of having these conversations um, and terrified of sharing anything and talking about this. But I recognize that the fear that I have um, is something that I really, really don't want other people to have to live through because it's, it's ultimately not helpful and it's no. completely Jane. Um, and it keeps you from, really being able to grow because you just don't talk about it. Like it's so simple. And we're so clear about so many of the quotes, like um, from um, Baldwin, like you cannot address anything until you face it. And I know I'm butchering this quote, but like, it's so important for us to acknowledge what's happening so we can actually address it and do something about it, improve it, assess it, anything, literally anything. We have to be out of denial first. We have to open a dialogue first. We have to be able to look at it honestly. And sex is this one topic that we never do in public. We never do, even with people. Even in private. Yeah, like even in couples, it's so often that people are not sharing. This is how I feel. This is what I like. This is what I didn't like. Which is so crazy. How can you possibly share your body with someone and be afraid to talk to them about it? That is wild. But I've been there. Absolutely. There's so many feelings that come with that shame and anxiety and fear of disappointing someone etc but everyone just needs to get over their ego a little bit Mm -hmm. um and recognize that if you're with a partner or multiple partners you should want them to be happy the same way that you want yourself to be happy and in order to do that you have to communicate like that's the only way to have a healthy relationship or engagement like just talk about it Mm -hmm. Ooh. Easier said okay. than done. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And I honestly, I, I love that you said that it's easier said than done. And I definitely, I've been learning new skills to do that. And it's just like literally light bulb. Like I really want to share some of the skills that I've learned to have these conversations and how I've been able to broach them with um, partners and broach them with um, friends even and broach mm-hmm. them with parents and Ooh, family sis. members. Hey. Because it's not just for me and it's not just for the younger generation. I would love, and I'm per- like, I've had this conversation with my mom that I started this podcast that she's not allowed to listen to. Yep. But <laughs> I was like, I would love for her to be able to enjoy what I'm enjoying. You know what I mean? Like I want those who went before me who did the work that they did so I could feel comfortable going to school, feel comfortable starting a business or having a career, like for them to also feel comfortable having pleasure and being happy in their lives because they sacrifice so much mm-hmm. of themselves to make us possible. Right. Um, and for them to um, be able to benefit from the experience that we've had just makes me super, super excited. So um, I told her I would send her some episodes that she can actually listen to. Hopefully this will be one of them. <laughs> Um, but I think that's for my own protection. Like, I don't want to have to be super centered because I'm like, my mom's going to listen to this and then she's um, going to wonder what she did wrong. <laughs> right, right. 
Um, all right, let's get to this first question. Even just what I said, what, what I'm just saying is, what definition did you grow up with when it came to sex? Like, how, okay. how were you raised? What was sex when you were a kid? So in terms of the definition that was provided to me by my family, the book would be blank. There was none. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but that said, like, it wasn't, it wasn't like an intentional omission. It was literally just like, we don't have time for this. We have other stuff going on. There was a lot of things that were happening in my life that were probably more important. Like my dad was sick, et cetera. So sitting down and having those conversations wasn't really at the forefront of my upbringing, but in terms of how society and school and my friends and et cetera informed the way that I understood what sex was, it was hyper mechanical. So mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. sexual organ A inserts into <laughs> sexual organ B and in some cases results in a human. There's no talk about pleasure. There's no talk about um, mm-hmm. emotions other than it should be a man and a woman and they should love each other. But what that means isn't defined at all either. So it was just like really textbook 1950s. These are the things that should happen. Now, I guess when I got older a little bit, um, then in seeing things on TV, then my parents would talk talk to me about it in passing. And there was never any stigma about like, the LGBTQ community at all. It was just like, you love who you love. I don't care, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And sex can happen between those in any way, really. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess that was my original definition. Yeah. Hi, Um, no definition. Um, I think, (laughs) um, but I think what you said really is a lot of people's experiences, except for, when I was growing up, um, I did not have internet in my mm-hmm. home. Um, so yeah, it was definitely television, but I think a lot of the generation now, it's like porn is their like rule book. That's their Bible. That's what they're exposed to. That's what they know. I definitely grew up in the time of magazines, which seems so weird now. No, you know, um, I'm right there with you, but like there were, there were like, no, I just mean weird now, like who buys like, yeah, like Playboy magazine. now. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I mean, I did have internet in my house and I would absolutely say that porn informed my like techniques Mm -hmm. and and my understanding of how there's not actually real pleasure. And I had this idea that I had to orgasm exactly the same time as my partner. And if I didn't, then I'm a failure. Um, Yeah, like it definitely had a (laughs) it it warped my perception of what is reality, Um, especially with those blue movies after at like 11 p.m. Hey, yeah, okay. You know what's interesting? So when I, the definition that I had when I grew up, like I I believe I was in grade three or grade four when we started, I want to say grade six at the latest, but I actually think our first was probably grade four or grade mm-hmm. five um, that we had sex ed. So that would have been like the explanation. My mom gave me a book probably when I turned 13. So probably the next year. Um, that was our sex talk. <clears throat> here read this book yeah yeah um the book was religious in some ways so it discussed what sex was but it definitely um it tried to put a barrier between the things that led up to mm. sex so there was a section called heavy petting I had that book discussed- I swear yeah. I had that book 
<laughs> it talked about why heavy petting was yeah. wrong and why you shouldn't be involved with it and you know how did how did you know uh, identify it and how to pretty much run away from any type of um, hot and heavy um, touch um, <clears throat> and I definitely grew up having this kind of conversation about not getting pregnant mm-hmm. and the fact that if I had sex I'd probably die because I'd like catch a disease and die because that was happening right and we were getting like the hep B shots and stuff like that. And that was about yes. sex too. And AIDS was, yes. And it was, it was, it was sex is dangerous. Um, I definitely started going to high school around the years that they started to give out condoms at high mm. school. Um, and I remember my cousins and I, um, because we, their parents were public health nurses, having so many of them at yeah. the house that we used to make water balloons out of them and throw them at each other. <laughs> Um, (laughs) the height of how do we fix this issue because we haven't taught anybody anything and now disease is like breaking out everywhere and then like this just pendulum swing of like you're not allowed to do anything to just don't get pregnant here's a condom yeah um but no information whatsoever in between that of i agree pleasure intimacy emotions <laughs> like health conversations to have um i definitely remember sue johansson I and i remember her too i remember um i remember one thing i took away from high school was if you cannot have oh it was this test we did online on if you were ready for sex and one of the questions were if you cannot have a conversation about sexual health with your partner then neither of you are ready for oh, sex. that's amazing and, yeah, and I think that was like a really important, like, like a small snippet of information that probably helped me a lot because I recognized that I couldn't broach this conversation with a lot of people mm-hmm. and I didn't feel comfortable. And if I did try to and they seemed weird or not comfortable or dismissive of it, I knew that they weren't ready. So it was like, if we didn't have a conversation about condoms because we couldn't, or you couldn't buy condoms because you felt so uncomfortable about going to the store and doing that, like we were not yeah. ready. Um, that's amazing but like compared to like (laughs) compared to what was really happening at that time just that one question could like it definitely impacted your life and changed the trajectory of maybe when you would have lost your virginity for example (sighs) did it I don't know it definitely changed the trajectory of um putting myself in more risky situations Mm -hmm. um more ignorant situations that were risky. And I saw a lot of the girls around me, um, if they weren't practicing abstinence, pretty much get pregnant or um, just be so shamed of that experience that they have or had a negative experience and it's, because they didn't have the, the dialogue. Yeah, and the, the idea, because we're in a patriarchal society, the idea is that whenever anything happened and if anything went wrong in terms of, you know, what she changed her mind and she didn't want to do it or whatever, they're slut-shamed. And th- there was never any wrongdoing for the men. Anyway, that's a whole yeah. other topic. But um, That's a whole other thing. But I'll add to that. Not only was there nothing wrong before guys, but it was definitely encouraged for yeah. them. And I remember having I remember having this boyfriend where his friend went to my school he didn't go to my school but his friend would try to encourage me to have sex with him because he knew that he wanted to have sex um even though like I was a virgin Mm -hmm. 
because he felt like that was to be something important for his friend. Right. No consideration of what I would want or what would be important to me or me in the process whatsoever. It was about having him have this experience. And there was no kind of space for me to discuss with even females or anybody like, am I ready? Am I okay? Am I interested? What is this experience going to be like? Will I like it? Will I hate it? Because the dialogue was so taboo. Yep. Yep. Um, It was just a whole bunch of misinformation going around within your circle of, I guess, either friends or acquaintances. Like you just have to find out from the person who had sex before you and they still didn't even know what they were doing. They still didn't. Yeah, absolutely not. And um, even parents, I think like one thing talking about like how, what we learned about sex or didn't learn about sex, what it was, how it affected us. Because I think even that dialogue with um, my parents was very um, strange. And I, I honestly assume, I, I don't just assume, I know that their dialogue with me was far more of a dialogue than they ever got. Yeah. That's a percent sure about that. <laughs> um, but I remember asking my mom about fellatio and just having this look on her face, like you did something wrong, but you also are embarrassing me, but I'm also so unprepared for this question, but I love you, but I don't know what to do right now. And I'm just going to like stare at you and maybe walk right, away. Right. Like it was just so hella awkward. And I was just like, did I do something wrong? Am I in trouble? Like I didn't even know like what the follow-up would be, but it was just kind of like, huh, what, huh, what are you yeah, asking? Yeah. Like, these are not things that you discuss, but it was just like, well, who else do I have this conversation with? Like, I don't know what is allowed or not allowed or what's okay or not okay. And the consensus was like nothing, but that was definitely not the experience that my friends were having. That was definitely not the experience that the people in the porn mm-hmm. were having. Hey, they were getting it in. So there is this huge dichotomy. And I think when I think about how that affected me, it was making sex so taboo where um, it became a huge secret. Um, how I felt about it, who I was while I was doing it, when I did it, where I did it, who I did it with, all of it became completely secret. Yep. And um, if this was like an after school special, you know, there'd be the sad music playing right now because it would be like, that's super dangerous. Like how, how do you know if it's okay? How do you deal with all of those emotions? Um, Especially at a younger age, just you can hardly handle going to school on time. Um, Right. (laughs) I mean, to deal with like, what would be the ramifications of this? What would happen if this happens? You know, like all of it, it, I mean, I survived it. That's for sure. But those were the words that I would use. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, How do you, sorry, go ahead. It affected you. No, I was just going to ask you the same. Oh yeah. The definition. I, I don't even know what I thought. I definitely had this idea that I was supposed to be super pure. Um, and then at the same time felt really left out. So I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there that I didn't lose my virginity until I was 20. So I watched all of my like high school friends, lose their virginity and like I felt like there was something wrong with me fundamentally Mm. because I 
didn't want to. And, and Mm -hmm. I was also, I grew up in a suburb outside of Ottawa that was super white. Only one of my black, only black friends, uh, only black person out of all my friends, they were all white. Um, And so I felt like I was refuse that like no, an untouchable Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, And so I put this like mask to say that, you know what, I don't actually want to have sex. My body is a temple and I'm pure. And if you don't deserve it, if, you know, you just don't deserve it and I will be the one to choose. And so like, it's not actually wrong that I thought any of that. But the reason I thought that was less to do with my self-worth. In fact, had nothing to do with my self-worth and everything to do with the fact that I was putting on a mask in order to protect myself from feeling rejection. If someone had come up to me and I was interested in them and they wanted to have sex, I absolutely would have done it. Um, and the only thing that I knew definition wise was that like, I can't get pregnant, but not because I didn't think that I could handle it, but simply because I didn't want to disappoint my parents and I didn't want them to have to deal with that added expense or, um, person to take care of. Like I always knew it doesn't matter if I get pregnant, I'll be fine. But I just had this heavy sense of responsibility to not do it in order to not encumber my parents. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with me. Um, mm-hmm. I, in terms of disease, like, okay, I was talking about how I didn't have sex and I was a virgin until I was 20, but I was definitely doing everything else. Like everything okay. else, like, you know, experimenting with girls, um, fellatio, conlingus, like everything. And I was uh-huh. not safe. It's not to say that I had like Mm. a ton of partners. I want to say three total, but Mm -hmm. they have partners. And so Mm -hmm. I was not using condoms for fellatio, no dental dams, no nothing. Didn't even have a concept that that could be a thing. Um, So that's really unsafe. Um, And then putting myself in really precarious situations just to feel wanted. So like I remember this one time Mm -hmm. I went to, I was – 16 and me and this one other girl went to this university frat party wow okay two girls and like seven guys and not a frat party but they were all in a frat and they were having a party at their yeah yeah they're having a party okay so like that was so dangerous because no one ever talked to me about the emotional aspect of sex and like what that means, that desire to feel wanted or included was driving my decisions. And I was making really dangerous ones, even though I was a super Mm -hmm. responsible teenager in every other respect. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I was more responsible than other people in my cohort. I would say if on a scale of one to 10, I was like at a 70 for responsibility and everyone else was like at a 45, but that still was not, I still wasn't safe. And I could have really like changed my life for not having the information that I needed Mm -hmm. in order to make proper decisions, especially the health component, but more than anything else, the emotional aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something like, there is something about the definition of sex that uh, I want to say does us disservice by not talking about the emotional part. 
And I've definitely seen some after school specials or, you know, yeah. like TV shows, family matters, family TV shows. <clears throat> yeah. Where it's like, you know, you need to be careful because you want your first time to be great, but it, it was definitely focused on virginity yeah. and it was never focused on this is a connection that you're making with yourself first. This is a connection that you're making with this aspect of eroticism and pleasure that exists as a thing by itself that you're tapping into. This is something that's going to feel like a drug. Mm-hmm. This, like what you said, like this comes from this deep need and desire that's going to propel you forward akin to literally almost any nothing yeah. else, but like maybe love or like straight survival. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like primal yeah. survival. Yeah. Like, that we have these like innate desires and needs that are almost stronger than faith Mm -hmm. for most Mm -hmm. people um, that are, (sighs) wow. Like, and especially when you're young to, there is almost nothing that even comes close to feeling as important. Yeah. It is, I would say, especially for adolescents, like, um, it's like heroin. It's like the strongest drug. Yeah. I don't even know if heroin is the strongest drug anymore, but it's like the strongest drug. And it's like the yeah, yeah, right? Because yeah. your hormones are just, everything is amplified and it feels so yeah. novelty like or so novel and like everything. everything. Yeah. So um, yeah, I would 100% agree. And I think that the definition really well at least the one that I had and that you had was really lacking in the emotional department um because Mm -hmm. it's it really is an exchange of energy and that comes from Mm -hmm. two or more people and it's really important to explain how that changes like your chemistry and the way you think and what you want and Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. for sure never mind like (laughs) <laughs> how it changes things. Never mind how it might change change your um, pH. Right, balance, right, right. right? Like your heart, your, your cycle, cycle, and your like, yeah, all these other things that you never thought of um, could even be possible. I remember the first day that the first time that I was late, um, and I was like ten days Ooh. late. Like the stress of it, <laughs> like I wasn't pregnant at yeah. all, and I was just like is this even possible like nobody told me about this like how like what is wrong like what's happening and to like not even like just nothing that would be like hey this is normal this is not normal this is okay this is not okay uh, and there's there's there doesn't have to be a standard for everybody but there there's a standard you're learning for yourself yes. so like this is how you keep track and this is how you um recognize what's happening um which i you know, I do now definitely better than I did then, but I definitely didn't even No, It was, didn't even come well, up. There are way even. more resources now. Like you just need an app to track your period. It's fine. But like when Absolutely. I was younger, I would have needed to track it on a calendar. <laughs> like, yep. you know, so <laughs> yeah. And, but that, the idea yeah. of tracking it was, I couldn't even fathom that. That wasn't even a thought. Yeah. 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 All right. So what is sex to you? Ooh, okay. So um, first and foremost, I would absolutely say that it is an exchange of energy and that it can mm-hmm. be between, it can be solo, firstly, 
It can be between two or more people. Um, and, and really it's, I would say the activation of erogenous zones because you don't have to touch mm. genitalia to orgasm. There's so many different kinds or to even feel aroused rather, never mind orgasm, but like just an activation of erogenous zones. It could be, um, kissing. It could be heavy petting. I don't even really like that terminology, but whatever. It's so, so weird. weird. Like what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. I think it came from like oxytocin exchange. Um, like when you pet pets, you get that exchange of. Oh, oxytocin. ew. I'm, I will never use that definition again. <laughs> Absolutely. Just strike that. Um, jury, please strike that from your memory. Okay. Um, the other thing that I was learning about was outer course. Oh. So sometimes I'm, I'm, sometimes I speak about outer course and inner course. Outer course is um, oral, for example. Just, okay, okay. You know, well, yeah. outer course, I would say, is definitely hey. included in my definition of intercourse because, again, yeah. you're arousing um, any erogenous zones. But, yeah, it does not. The biggest thing for me is that sexual intercourse does not have to result in an orgasm for anybody. It is just receiving and giving pleasure, whether that results in a climax or an orgasm or any sense of completion is irrelevant. If it does, amazing, but it is not required in order to be considered sexual intercourse of any kind for me. Um, and my definition includes everybody and includes, you know, not to sound like a broken record, I feel like I talk about orgies a lot, but it includes orgies and like threesomes <laughs> and <laughs> masturbation and just anything. And you don't even need to like touch yourself. You can just watch porn and be aroused. And to me, that is auto pleasure and auto intercourse. Mm -hmm. Kegels might be in there too. I don't I know if they count. <laughs> what? I said Kegels might be in there too. I don't know if they count. Hey, you know, you know what is so weird about this whole experience? And I think um, your definition, is the the focus of your definition on pleasure is definitely something that I got from the book, um, Come As mm. You Are. It was probably the biggest thing I got from that book. Um, my therapist suggested I read it. And um, the idea that sex is about pleasure, yeah. period, end of sentence, full stop, like, that was like mind-blowing because yeah. it was like hold up what's happening what? and it, it it took me back for a second because then I was like well what is pleasure because I've been so um conditioned to be goal-oriented mm -hmm. when it came to sex that like we're getting somewhere we're going somewhere even if it was by myself like there's a point of this and for it to to kind of take away that goal it was like so what are we actually doing here um, what is happening and to take a step back and say like, okay, so what does feel good and what doesn't feel good and what feels good at different times. And I definitely for myself started to, um, recognize the most powerful erogenous zone, I think is my 100%. mind. I, I even recognize how close it is. And I've always, always, always thought that, that sex was with another person mm. and to not touch myself be aroused um feel pleasure and come to climax with myself with no touching was 
mind blowing for me. I was like, hold up. Why wasn't I doing this when I was a teenager instead of having that, a desire to feel wanted to be with somebody else to relax, to feel pleasure. Like it's like a drug then. Why didn't anybody tell me I could have done this by myself without any, well, like, they didn't know, nothing? they didn't know. And, and you also wouldn't have been able to do it if there was any shame attached to it at all. Absolutely. So. And that is a big deal. Yeah. And I think one thing that you mentioned, and I want to read um, one of the definitions of sex, but one thing that you mentioned, especially you said 1950s, this one's from 1926. To oh, geez. When the book was published. Yeah, which is the definition most people are familiar with. Um, There's so much shame with not reaching that goal. And I think for men and women alike, um, but I'm going to read this definition. This is from a book called Ideal Marriage, It's Physiology and Technique, 1926, from this gynecologist, um, Van de Velde, Hendrik Theodore. intercourse which takes place between two sexually mature individuals of opposite sexes which excludes cruelty and the use of artificial means for producing voluptuous sensations which aims directly or indirectly for the consummation of sexual satisfaction and which having achieved a certain stimulation concludes with ejaculation or emissions of the semen into the vagina at a nearly simultaneous combination of sensations or orgasm of both partners. Excuse me? So this is what they base porn (laughs) off of? This is the definition of sex. I don't even know. Okay, I think I I may, may once in my life have come at the same time as my partner. And he was literally like just timing it based on when I was ready. It wasn't about, it just naturally. He was waiting for you the whole time. Like, is this happening? Are we going to get there? Yeah. Like one time, maybe. That's why. But I definitely feel like porn definitely um, like reinforces this a lot. Oh my gosh. I spent my whole, like, okay. I was 30. I, I was 30 when I stopped thinking that it had to, well, I always knew that it was not going to be the case from like 25 onward because I wasn't coming during sex anyways, but I still felt, (laughs) I still felt like I failed. Right. Yes. You feel like you're broken. If it's not happening, it's happening. I think what was helpful for me is um, when I was in university, I became a peer sexual, a peer counselor and sexual Mm -hmm. educator. And I think what was interesting for me was reading the average times it takes people to come to orgasm. Not very long. Or climax. It's not as long as you think, but it was definitely longer for women than oh, men. On oh, average, sure. at least doubles. And so it was just like, just the math was like, okay, this is not going to work. Right. Because the math doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> like, right. I don't know what you're going to do for these extra 10 minutes, but... Um, the math doesn't work. And, you know, to start to have that dialogue of like, what are you doing for that extra 10 minutes um, (laughs) that I'm not ready? And having conversations about foreplay um, and having conversations about outer course um, at the point, at then wasn't discussed as that, but like, that was a really big problem for most guys because they had no concept or understanding. Because again, most of the times, especially in porn, it's focused on male genitalia. Mm -hmm them being um, 
Yeah. And satisfied and them coming to ejaculation. And let's be honest, I think one thing that we keep misunderstanding about pornography is that it is a business. It is acting. It is not (laughs) close to reality. And like, I remember um, the first time that I uh, learned the uh, word fluffer. Mm -hmm. And I think that changed my idea of like, oh, like, he actually seemed really, really satisfied. He could have came and then they would have had to start all over mm-hmm. again. And it wasn't about her and it wasn't about her enjoyment and having this person to keep him at this place so that they could continue to do this is, this is, this is more art than it is experience. Yeah. You know, this is definitely something that we're watching for the point of arousal not to learn from, not to necessarily take notes from, even though sometimes we do, not to pattern Yeah. after. Yeah. Um, but the simultaneous orgasm, I just think, it's when I read this definition, when I first heard this definition, I was just like, whoa, this explains everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like, even in the definition, what I heard was, it is ultimately for male pleasure. Like I heard the undertone of male pleasure in there and not female pleasure at all. Mm-hmm. Um, even the title of the book, I don't know if I'm just projecting, know. but I'm hearing sort of this whole thing that was happening in the fifties. There was like this push about how to be a good wife and how they started to market yes. marriage Um you definitely will be able to read a lot of the books in the 50s of how to be a good yeah, wife. And, right? Yeah. And so I'm hearing this as sort of like the precursor to how to be a good wife rather than how to have a successful marriage um, that you're getting from this 20s. And a lot of it is just like this whole idea, make sure that you please him and that he's happy, but there's no concept of pleasure for women. Mm-hmm. It definitely, the things that I loved about this definition is that they are sexually mature individuals, yeah. number one, and number two, it excludes cruelty. Yeah. I, I think the fact that they had to add that scares me a little bit, but I'm glad yeah. that they did. <laughs> um, but absolutely, when we think about, like, when I think about what my concept of sex is now, um, which definitely patterns very close to yours, like, it being for pleasure, it being for experience, it having this fluidity to it, it having this um, a lack of <laughs> like this this full lack of yes. goal and like literally just being enjoyment. It has completely changed my um, ability to feel comfortable in each of these moments. And what I recognized is the one of the reasons that we, especially as females, do not experience orgasm as much as we could is because we have so much anxiety about not having orgasm right? that stress ourselves out. And when I started to focus on, I'm doing this for pleasure and nothing else, I don't have to, I don't have to get somewhere there's no there's nowhere for me to get to as long as I feel great right now I succeeded Um, and it's just so crazy because for me I can't speak for everyone but for me 
this idea that I had to have an orgasm had nothing to do with me actually wanting to have an orgasm and had everything to do with making sure that my partner didn't feel like they failed me. Right. Or that they weren't viral. That's like, that's only my experience. That's just me um, feeling like that they were not a man because they couldn't make me come, et cetera. I faked orgasms. Oh my God. So many, like, Oh, all my twenties. Like I don't, I, the first orgasm I ever had, I was 30 and I was faking it the whole time okay the whole time and then I got to this point I'm not laughing at you like I just think that I'm so happy that you said that I hope that that's really free for people because well damn you know what I mean like the like I think that just exclamates my point of how much we are in this mindset that we have to do this Mm -hmm. thing um my experience was definitely men um being like did you orgasm? Did you come after? Was it good? And me being like, can I catch my breath for a second? Dude, like, (laughs) give me a minute. Right. And just that feeling of if I didn't um, tiptoe this topic, well, I could uh, damage our intimacy. Yes. That's something that I didn't even, I didn't even consider. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) It's so wild because so you definitely are going to have a harder time having an orgasm when you're faking it because your brain is just not focused on pleasure. It's focused on performance. Yeah. I was doing what women in porn do. The down to yeah. the noises, down to everything. Like that's how I knew how to fake yeah. one. And so I would definitely counsel. Well, I guess that's for later, but I would tell anyone. Go for it. <laughs> I would definitely counsel anyone and like, especially my future children to if you're going to watch porn, like understand that it is so not real and that because of it, it might not be their experience, but because of it, for me, it trained me how to not be my authentic self in sex. Yeah. So like give yourself the chance to experience it without any sort of like outside influence as to what it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. But like, I'm going to have to have that conversation when they're 10 because they can watch porn basically on Instagram. Yeah. Because, and and here's the thing. It's like, we, we lose this idea that we lose this ability to feel completely normal and happy and splendid and all these wonderful feelings. As soon as we have this ideal up in Mm -hmm. front of us that says what it is, all of a sudden anything we experience makes us broken or less than or like wrong Mm -hmm. just absolutely wrong and um to to grow up feeling like this part of me is not only secretive (laughs) but also I'm probably doing it wrong is so much extra anxiety that literally I really don't want anybody to have to experience because it's like this is supposed to be a beautiful thing it's supposed to be an amazing thing our sexuality is absolutely phenomenal it's a gift and the like not only the ability to experience pleasure but even the ability to have desire and to be able to transmute that into ambition or into um connection and intimacy like all these other ways that we interact with ourselves and other people through these emotions through these accesses of our mind to label them as wrong yeah or or not okay is it steals so much of our humanity and our existence and our 
experience from us for years and years, decades, for lifetimes yeah. for some people. Luckily for me, it was only a decade. Um, but that's wild. <laughs> luckily for you, it was only but a that's decade. wild to say that. But it's still, yeah. Yeah. It should never be a thing. Um, just because this is what sex is. So I think what's amazing is by the 70s, they started to um, be a lot more open. Um, this definition from the Height Report, um, it was a report on, it was a study of female sexuality. This is from 1976. Um, from She was a sex educator, she height. This is the definition. It says sex is intimate physical contact for pleasure, to share pleasure with another person or just alone. Mm-hmm. You can have sex to orgasm or not to orgasm, genital sex or just physical intimacy, whatever seems right to you. There is never any reason to think the goal must be intercourse um, and to try to make what you feel fit into that context. There is no standard of sexual performance out there against which you measure yourself. You aren't ruled by hormones or biology. You are free to explore and discover your own sexuality, to learn and unlearn anything you want, to make physical relations with other people of either sex, anything you like. I love that. (laughs) Oh, it was kind of like, let's be more inclusive, definitely. Let's be more explorative, definitely. Um, And the fact that you're not, there's no standard, um, I honestly think one thing that is really important, especially when you talked about your experience, is it being okay that you are not interested in sex. I definitely feel like we had this big religious push. I had this big religious push. But the opposite was the media telling me, like, if I'm not having multiple orgasms or something wrong with me, um, I didn't know how to do, like, these four positions. And I did, like, Kegels. Like, when you said that, I started laughing because I literally learned Kegels from probably me Cosmo too or 17 when I was like 14 years old or 13 years I learned old. so yeah. learned but yeah took so much from <laughs> yeah. Cosmo so stupid anyways but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like for real like to be like this was something that if you were not also competent in you were less of a woman you were less ready for the world you were le- less instead desirable Yes, like instead of being comfortable, just being like, sex isn't something I need to focus on right now. I had one pastor, his wife used to tell me the three B's don't mix. She used to tell all of us boys, books, and I want to say the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) But it was just kind of like, you don't have time for boys. Like you're going to school. That's your focus right now. Um, To give us a little bit of permission that that's not something you need to really be concerned with. Um. But I definitely feel there's a lot of asexual people out there who still want intimacy, who still feel that they must get married to get it and trap people in loveless marriages. Yeah. (laughs) I I wish there was just more um, leeway (laughs) with the definitions. Like, so you were talking about you don't have time for boys, but I would challenge anyone who's thinking that way to say, if you want to have time for boys, try doing it in a way that doesn't compromise your ultimate goal. Or like, yes. it's okay that you don't want to have time for boys or it's okay that you do, but yes. just be, you know, be considerate of yourself in that rather than to say like absolutes. No, it's all, all, it's all yeah. or nothing. Definitely. I think that comes from this patriarchal idea that, 
um, holding on to your virginity, waiting for this one person. When you meet this man, he's going to want you to have low numbers or zero right. numbers. Um, like that sense of you don't have time for guys now. So there is nothing because when you do have time for guys, you're looking for the yeah. one. <laughs> right? Like that's when you will be spending time looking for boys would be to find the one um, versus, hey, sex is about physical intimacy. Sex is about um, not even necessarily genitals. Sex can be about just feeling good in the moment. Um, I think one, like May was masturbation mm-hmm. month. It was. My and birthday is National think- Orgasm Day <laughs> in May. Hey! <laughs> um, and I think one thing that came up often that I never thought about was masturbating with another person yeah that is the most vulnerable i don't know anymore like really? i can bear my soul <laughs> right? you can tell a lot of stories and not be able to feel comfortable doing that in front of another it person takes, it takes the right person i gotta say but it's the best and i'm just saying like, why wasn't this taught to me when i was younger where i did not have to have sex i didn't have to be physically intimate with another person i didn't have to you know what i mean like i didn't have to worry about if I was going to get pregnant, if I was going to get a disease, if anything, but I still got to share that intimacy and I got to learn to feel more comfortable with my own intimacy and comfortable in a room with another person and their intimacy, like in my, in my university years or in my, do you know what I mean? Where it was just kind of like, if it's not sex, it's nothing. So to answer your question is because people don't even understand that in and of itself, right? Like their own definition is super limited and their scope of what sex is can't even compute that data. Yeah. So like you would never have been told that because they don't even know that that's even a possibility. Yes. And I think one of the most um, incredible experiences that I've had so far is sitting with a person and talking and having an orgasm. Yep. And Hey, like if I knew that was possible, like there, there's no guilt that I feel from that because it, it didn't it didn't feel like anything we did was wrong (laughs) like there because there was just nothing else that was happening that could be like oh so we touched and that's why this happened or so we you know what I mean like there was nothing to kind of label as wrong based on having that this is a definition and if it's not this with this one person it's wrong and I was just like wow this is incredible I would counter that you did touch that your minds actually touch I know that sounds super corny but no that that's legit it's completely true and and it was a way that was not our conversation was not like actually hyper arousing Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was just it was really just an intimate conversation about how we felt yeah and um I'm I'm just I'm so excited because I just think there's so much to explore and to understand and to know. And uh, anyways, so for you, how did you get from your old definition to your new definition? Oh man, I got, I just got so tired of shitty sex. Excuse my language, but I just got so (laughs) tired of it. Right. That I started to figure that there just has to be something else. Like this can't actually be it because if so, this sucks. So I just <laughs> it's like why why are there books about this? Like why are people interested in yeah, this? Because this is not. Great. I was like, the, you know what? 
there are people who are liking this and I am not. So why? So I started to just ask myself questions about like what it is that is making me feel unfulfilled. Like, because I know that I can make myself have an orgasm. So I know that it's possible and it does feel good. And even if I don't have an orgasm, I know that when I stimulate myself, I feel good. So there has to be a way that someone else can do this for me and that I can feel intimate (laughs) with that person. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, they, I should be able to share this with yeah, somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I started yeah. to do this like deep self-discovery about why, like I understood eventually that not having good sex was just a symptom of feeling mm-hmm. unfulfilled, like that I'm not on my right path, that I'm not with the right person, that I'm not right with myself. Mm-hmm. Once I started to do this journey um, of self-discovery and, and to not actually be sexual, um, and to just work on my emotional well-being, then I started to like really question what it is that makes me happy. And I came up with a definition that Mm -hmm. there is no like one definition. There are lots of things that make me happy in small ways, in big ways, some sexual, some not, but that ultimately they all link to feelings of security, um, feelings of belonging, um, trust, and and healthy emotional relationships, starting with myself. Once I figured that out, the universe just said, here is everybody who's on the same path as you. Go, meet them here. <laughs> uh, I met my partner um, and like we weren't together right away, but we like clicked pretty quickly after meeting. Um, it's actually a crazy story, but I'll leave that. But essentially um, we met, through a mutual connection and we were in this like erotic book club and that was like the sexiest summer that I've ever had because they would just like (laughs) release the author would just like release one chapter of the story every single day so imagine it was like a summer of edging like every day was just one step closer to a climax I was just like vibrating sexuality for that whole summer I had so many amazing experiences. Like my mind was just open to like all of these different possibilities. I felt like I was on ecstasy, like the world was in different colors. Mm-hmm. And and then mm-hmm. I started just to realize that like I can I can be a sexual being and there's no shame in that. And like it's glorious. And I just started to no, and then I just fundamentally changed what I defined as sex because naturally mm-hmm. my experiences changed that. Um, and mm-hmm. it was amazing. The best summer. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, forget hot girl summer. We're going to have the sexiest summer yeah. ever, which yeah. is edging every day. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, and the book club. Like I just, oh my gosh, like, that sounds like a freaking movie. I, <laughs> I might make a screenplay out of it because it was just so random. All of the all of the cards just fell perfectly into place no, to allow no. the right people to come together at exactly the right time to be able to like share this experience simultaneously. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just, just crazy. I love it. Um, <laughs> like... I have laughter of glee right now. Like that is the most amazing thing. Um, I especially, I think the most important thing that like piqued my ears was deciding what made you happy. And I know as a coach myself, that is definitely a question that I'm 
I want to say pushing because I recognize for myself and I recognize for so many of us, we did not get a chance to stop and just ask, am I happy? Mm -hmm. And um, religiously growing up, the big switch for me, I think, was recognizing that happiness and holiness didn't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't either happy or I was holy. Like there were these places where they overlapped and I wanted to find those places and I wanted to live in those places where I could be actually really joyful and in my deepest, darkest places, feel this sense of freedom and happiness. And definitely freedom is one of the ways that I feel happy. So that's why that fell in there. But like this place where on the inside, I was completely happy, but on the inside, I was actually, um, holy was definitely the word I was using before, but I think at this point it, it might be more authentic or it might be more, um, at peace with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, one phrase I, I find to be using often is centered. Yep. Aligned, um, for sure. Yes, aligned. Like to be able to have these spots where I had this peace and I have this joy and they they kind of overlap. Um, at the beginning, it had nothing to do with sex. Mm-hmm. There was so much to unlearn to get to this point. But to just start with, there's an opportunity for me to be happy. And it is nobody else's responsibility but my own. Right. And I have to figure this out if it's ever going to happen. That was so important. Mm-hmm. Um, part tied up in that is the acknowledgement of coming out of denial that I'm not happy. That was, it's really hard. But when you have a life altering <laughs> experience like getting a divorce, which obviously you had to figure out you weren't happy to oh, get this there. Is way before the divorce. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is way before the divorce but for sure yeah like any to just recognize like I'm not completely okay right yeah and that's that's okay it's 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 fine it's my experience but one question that I started to ask myself I actually started asking my clients um in my head before I asked them out loud and I started to ask myself before I started asking them out loud is why are you choosing this experience yeah And I would just, sometimes things would just be happening around me or I'd be feeling things or sometimes I'd be overwhelmed. Sometimes I would be happy. Sometimes like it could be literally anything, but it was very intense. And I would just take a step back and I would say, why are you choosing this experience and start to dig into my own motives and start to dig into my own reasons and start to dig into the unconscious motivations or my belief system. Where is this coming from? And is this ultimately something that's moving me towards what I want or away from what I want? Is this something that's actually reaffirming me or destroying me? Like, is this good or is this bad? That was like a secondary question. But first it was just like, what is this one? Why am I choosing this too? And then what am I going to do with it? Absolutely. But what was important was that word choice. Things are not happening to me. I am choosing to be in this situation. I'm choosing to be feeling the way I feel about a situation because not every situation do we choose. Um, but the way we react to it, we definitely mm-hmm. do. And so why am I choosing to react this way? Where is that coming from? Do I like it or not? Do I want to change it or not? Um, came from this place of, so coming from that place really allowed me to be able to say, Hey, I might not be happy. Um, I, I, I first had to believe that I was allowed to be happy. Right. That's so deep. 
<laughs> and that's a whole other podcast but <laughs> you know. this whole other life yeah. right like yeah that acknowledgement yeah especially with everything that's happening I think recognizing um this is this this is definitely going to be a whole other podcast but um definitely an episode but decolonization oh. and the effects of being told what you are in a society and having an experience on the inside and experience on the outside that differs so greatly from each mm-hmm. other that your psyche starts to splinter and the way you approach life has at least a dual comparison at all times yeah. and recognizing that there is this reason that you're here on the planet um, and you're living it and you're trying to experience it, but taking a step back and being like, hey, internally, there's an experience that I might want to have. I'm allowed to actually have it. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I had a university professor who talked about that and it was in relation to race, but um, he would call it psychic torture. And wow. it really is. Yeah. I just, I feel like, sex is something that has been taken from us in that process of dehumanizing us yeah and us dehumanizing ourselves even the way that we see i think the way that we see women the way we sexualize um bodies in general because i know i definitely do this to male bodies um um but like the way that we see them as objects of pleasure um, or any other of work of literally anything instead of part of her humanity, part of our experience. We do this to ourselves often. I mean, the statistics for women and the way that they see them, their own bodies, the way that they speak about their own bodies uh, is, I think it was like on average 13 times um, a day um, women are saying something negative about their body. That's wild, um, but I'm surprised it's not um, higher. Yeah, I mean, for some people, it is higher. Yeah, right? well, yeah, I get it, it average, but like I, 13 seems low to me. I just, it is, it seems low because of how much I perceive how much society <laughs> just does such a number on what it is we're considered to be like there was this um there was this video that someone made a famous person I'm not sure and it was just talking about the dichotomy of what it is to be a woman and it's like be sexy but not too sexy if you're strong you're a bitch but you have to be strong because we do like it just made no sense there was actually no plane of existence that one any one woman could exist on that made sense based on what society demands of us and like sexually it's the same yeah absolutely absolutely okay so how have we broken the cycle of silence or the wall of mystery have we Mm, have we good question I think some (laughs) of us have I definitely do there are so many more outwardly and openly sex positive people who are making the information like yourself more readily available for as many people as possible you know on Instagram you know there are tutorials on how to 
how to have sex that is pleasurable to either partner or to yourself, you know, how to use toys, um, the idea of using toys, you know, so breaking that wall of mystery that you don't have to like walk into a store and speak to a stranger about how to use a vibrator or a dildo and, and they're just selling you on it rather than letting you experience it and learn for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. there's YouTube videos that talk about it. Um, and, and there are way more courses. Like you can even go to school, you can go mm -hmm. to university and learn about these things. So mm -hmm. I think like the wall of mysticism is being broken down for adults. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and the secrecy is broken down for adults as well, but I definitely think that the, the veil of mystery is still super, I would say instead of being blackout curtains right now, we're at just like sheer curtains because there's still definitely a veil. Um, but younger people have access to a lot more information than we did when we were younger. So just in and of that, they're able to get that information. But how it's received, I would still think is pretty similar because until you can have that information and then couple it with life experience, Mm -hmm. or the way that it's delivered, you still might have a lot of mystery surrounding it. So absolutely. Uh, short answer is yes and no. Uh, we yeah. have broken it. But um, like, how have we? Yeah, I think I went over that with like the different ways yeah. that people are making available. But I think also, people, at least in our generation are like, really taking younger people under their wing. Mm. Um, I'm noticing like, as I've transitioned into my 30s I'm like really concerned with the future generation that is around me so like my nieces my nephews like my mm -hmm. little cousins and stuff like mm -hmm. I will have those really awkward conversations with them and I will do everything to not make it awkward by mm -hmm. saying this is mad awkward and we're gonna talk about it because I didn't have anybody and I wish someone would have sat me down and told me XYZ. So even if you don't wanna hear it, I hope that subconsciously you take some of it in. You don't have to say anything. I'm here to answer any questions that you have. Um, but I think that a lot of people like me are starting to open up and have these open dialogues with their younger cohort. Mm -hmm. um, just to like try and correct the generational trajectory. Um, <laughs> Like just some sort of just some you know, simple things correcting yeah. the generational trajectory. <laughs> no <laughs> big deal. The path of human history, you know, one sex conversation at a time. <laughs> but no, but I think it's I think it's oh. real. Like you can even see it, it in the way that people are even talking about things like money. Like I think generation are we Generation Z? I don't know what we are. I'm I, I'm a um. I'm a millennial. I'm a well ass millennial. So. But wait, so but wait, there's a sub generation within the millennials. Because oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm born in I'm born in the eight. I was born in eighty seven. So like I was born in eighty three. So I'm still I'm still a millennial, but my childhood was yeah, still yeah. spent in like the way the previous generation was. Like I played yeah. outside all the time, but I also had technology. But so there's that like sub generation the early millennials yeah so um i lived in the city sorry 
I said you lived in a suburb. I lived in a city, so oh, I was like, really okay, so right, 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 right. Got it. Um, yeah. but like <laughs> that older part of the generation realized that you know what this sucked for us, and I don't want to do this for my kids yeah. or for anyone I, yes. who's under us. Yes, and I definitely I think about these generational um, lifestyle tips that we've taken. Yeah, um, osmosis that we've just we've are ingrained in our DNA that are ingrained in our society and our unspoken rules and our unspoken roles and um, yeah, definitely there's so many of them that I don't want to do anymore because they were born from experiences that number one, we're not in anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But number two, that were horrible and horrific and we want to change. We don't want to cope with them. We want to categorically change them and improve them. And they, a lot of my experience I recognize comes from um, just being able to tolerate things so that you could stay alive. It's literal survival. And I can't, I, I, experiencing life in that space is one full of anxiety and depression and um, sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Just being completely unsure and um, just an experience that is ultimately unenjoyable. However, I will say this because I think when you're talking about the wall of silence being broken as a Christian, okay. is it that is still Jericho around me like yeah you you know what I mean there's still people walking around the outside trying to bring those walls down because we still don't talk about it it's still have it's still um you know I grew up in my 20s listening to pastors talk about outer course being evil and something not to do even with your spouse so no or what yeah so I think undoing some of the um puritan (laughs) patriarchal colonialist like ideas that um especially as a black woman um that make me feel like i'm immoral Mm. inherently immoral um undoing that by not swinging to the complete opposite i have to be so pure (laughs) that like i'm pretty much a virgin for the rest of my life and I don't talk about sex I'm this matriarch idea that you know because there's something about that matriarch that like Aunt Jemima yeah <laughs> that she doesn't have a husband you don't think about her having sex she's like your old auntie like you don't know what happened we don't talk about those things you know what I mean but mm-hmm. that's not something she experiences or she does it's not something that's a part of her existence or her life like that's not what I want to live nope. and um <laughs> that's kind of like if you don't have a husband that's your only other option right it's like- yeah I totally <laughs> forgot about that whole other section like just because the information is out there and readily available if it's not really in your in your orbit yeah then or you wouldn't see it even if you did see it if it's not acceptable right in that context you still are not going to experience it and I think that's a really important point that you said is like especially with young people until you've had any experience with it it's theoretical you know it's really great that we share it with them but they don't know it they they don't have it it's not who they are yet and very much for um myself and probably for other women who were raised like me 
it doesn't matter that it's part of it are the lives that we live on a day-to-day basis. We don't have a personal experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Language that I often get um, highlighted <laughs> is allowed and the language right. is and um, that is very much ingrained into my experience of what I'm allowed to do, what I'm allowed to think, what I'm allowed to want. Um, where I, I don't think most people even, I, I don't know that that comes up for them. It's kind of, yeah, like, I want no, to experience this. <laughs> no, it, I think that um, in some ways, whatever church doesn't cover state does. Yeah. Okay. True. So like maybe not to the same extent, but certainly in different ways. Like I had a little bit of a Christian growing, uh, Christianity growing up Mm -hmm. um, and some of that influence. And it definitely did. But I would say that I was more so influenced by what society said I should be or do or feel or how I should act. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just they're not comparable, but I would say that it was also impactful to me. Absolutely. So I think that um, even if you don't have the experience of going to church and seeing that or being told that your sexuality is something that is meant to be shared within a union between man and wife and only in certain instances should it even be pleasurable. And it's really just about procreating to have more fellowship. I don't even know if that's the right term, but whatever. Yeah. More parishioners. Right. Yeah, um, sure. um, Like there are still experiences that... Um, society will say mm-hmm. that will determine how people behave mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely um I I agree with the sentiment that I I want so badly for us to be able to remove the shame especially mm-hmm. especially the shame but when we talk about the silence around sex and pleasure and um, I mean, there's so many topics, compatibility, <laughs> like, um, sexuality, um, <sighs> health, like, mental health. health. Yeah, like just so much, just, there's so many things that I just feel like we don't even get to touch. And one of the ways that I've seen that for myself more and more, especially coming from the background that I did is the necessity to embody or um, engage with labels such as slut or yep. um, in having pleasure. And I, and I do feel in some ways it was a pendulum swing as well. Um, an important one. I remember the slut walks and I remember mm-hmm. why they were important. And I, I personally remember sitting there watching and having this surge of energy through my body of, I don't have to feel ashamed of something that happened and for me to not give responsibility to the people whose actions were actually responsible instead of taking my own, like I didn't dress well, or I was in the wrong place or I was the wrong person or I, you know what I mean? Like I said the wrong things or I looked the wrong way, or there's something about me that called um, this, this behavior instead of saying, no, like we're allowed to be people walking around. And so if this is the worst you can put on us, we're allowed to be this. Yeah. It's so crazy. The, just the manipulation that goes into the definitions of like what is acceptable in sexuality and what isn't. Because mm-hmm. by the very definition of slut, 
if we're talking about heteronormative stuff, it's really men are sluts like all the time, all the time. <laughs> and like, I didn't have sex with myself and be, to be called a slut. Yes. Right. Like how, so it's just me. Like everything is just me. I'm a whore because I decided that I wanted to have sex or maybe yeah. didn't want to and felt pressured into it. And then yeah. now rumors are floating around the school talking yeah. about how I'm a hoe, like what? Yeah. And like men are just absolutely, um, I don't even know the word, but just like cheered on, I would say for yeah, having as many partners, like the double standard yeah. is ridiculous. And then yeah. it, having another intersection of being black on top of that and being hypersexualized, like I'm 16 yeah. years old and someone messages me on MSN that's dating myself and is like, Hey, um, I saw your picture. You look like you have DSL. Do you know what that means? No. DSL is dick sucking lips. Oh, hey. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, how are you just going to hypersexualize right? me and be like, oh, so that means that you should put fellatio on me? This. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what? You know the, the crazy thing that reminds me of, um, oh, what's that show called? Um, Nine Nine. I can never mm-hmm. remember. Do you know the show I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there was this one episode where there's this woman who um, breaks this man's penis with his golf club because <laughs> he goes to sexually assault her. And uh, Peralta is mentioning that, you know, the financial industry is not that great for women. And his wife is like, uh, or any other place. Like, what? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and what? he was just like, what do you mean? And so she's going through these examples of when they are together and the experience he's having, the experience that she's having, and this war... The one is the um, coffee. Um, I'm gonna call him a barista. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. my, that's my understanding of coffee now. Um, but he he hands him a coffee and says like, "Have a great day." And he hands her her coffee and says, "You have a beautiful mouth." And it's oh like, my god, the, what? But he doesn't even it doesn't even register for him that that's happened. Mm-hmm she's experiencing this he's not experiencing this and so i completely agree the amount of um sexualization that i've internalized and the amount of shame that i have around that is huge because being like between 14 and 16 men wanting to pick me up on the street literally terrible yeah just terrible that was a regular daily experience to now um, adding this layer of trafficking. I get um, hit on, I got hit on, sorry to cut you off, like no, way more when I was an adolescent than when I was an adult, than an adult, as I am absolutely. as an adult. Like that's absolutely. so disgusting. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so adding this layer of um, trafficking and incels and just all this stuff to think about, you know, that's the way that I'm seen. And mm-hmm. that's, that's something I have to be completely careful of because while um, my sexuality is supposed to be my own, um, it also apparently belongs to the rest of society. Yeah, right. Everybody <laughs> else. Yeah, everybody else. Right? To use how they want. Um, and I think I, I just, I want for all of us to have an opportunity to be our own and to not have to adopt a label to feel comfortable in our own skin and who we are. 
Um, and I am, and this is not, this is definitely not slut shaming because I could care less, like mm-hmm. be whoever you want to be, but I don't want people to feel like they have to call themselves a slut because they enjoy sex. Right. They, like there's like, even if you take that word and you reclaim it, you don't have to have a label, just enjoy sex, fam. Just do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone or yourself. And the opposite is true. I don't have to be a prude if I don't feel like doing it. Yo, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Like being called a prude because I'm rejecting someone. Yeah, because I don't like you, right? It's like, (laughs) because you exist, I have to be sexually interested in you. And if I'm not sexually interested in you, I'm just not sexually interested in anything or anybody or anywhere. And I'm just kind of asexual. That idea comes from definitely from that patriarchy from that idea that we are here for another person's pleasure not for our own not for our own satisfaction not for our own um life experience which can and cannot include sex at any given time moment (laughs) like like, that is not really an um an accepted idea it's kind of like if you're here and I think one of the ways that I I grew up recognizing that are in the stories of celebrities and especially the way we speak about um sexual assault sexual harassment as I was growing up that you know women who were in hotel rooms of stars what were they expecting um and (laughs) (laughs) wanting to normalize intimacy that's non-sexual wanting to normalize connection that's non-sexual wanting to and and i'll say this like i definitely um this is a conversation about women a lot of the times i think as a woman this is how i'm exploring it but i definitely think about this for men as well the more that i the more study that i do about men and um relationships the more i recognize how frequent it is that men only experience intimacy and physical intimacy through sex yeah and a lot a lot and and we need to start to shift that especially for our boys where at a certain age we stop we just stop touching them Mm -hmm. and i don't i actually would challenge that and i don't necessarily when you say we is it a collective we or is it men because the stigma is that um, men can't be emotional or have intimacy unless it's with a woman. But I think that it's really important to challenge that from man to man. Yeah. To men normalize men. it. Absolutely needs to be normalized. But when I think we, I honestly think parents first. Okay. Fair. I yeah. think when it comes to children after a certain age, we stop touching our children mm-hmm. um, because of all the bad things that have happened. Definitely. Um, but and, and just platonic, non-sexual <laughs> touch. Like we we stop learning how to interact with them on a physical basis. So I definitely think that is incredibly heightened when it comes to male and male touching. Mm-hmm. Um, men don't hug each other. They don't hold each other. They don't hold hands. And having this experience where there are some cultures where into adulthood, you touch other men. Yeah. Um, Ours is not one of them here in um, North America, but the problem that it causes is, yes, it taboos and hypersexualizes all the touching with females. 
Yeah. And so when a female touches your arm, it's like, she's ready to have sex with me. And she is not like, no. <laughs> she's hey, trying to sir. catch her balance. These heels are high, right? Like just that complete disconnect because any touch that they're experiencing is just hypersensitized, like hypersexualized. Like it's just, it throws them kind of for a loop because they're just not used to it. And I think even the more that I'm recognizing with my, my, myself, my own partners is how much I love being able to just hug them and hold them and how necessary that is and how non-sexual that is. Yeah. Uh, I love hugs. I didn't realize that part of my love language is actually touch because I don't love, I don't love overall touch from everybody. Yes. Um, but, but so I had always discounted touch as a love language, but it really is like, and it really makes a difference. Just like non-sexual touch. Just, are you present? Are you here? Yeah. And the subconscious exchange of energy, even just from the tiniest of touches. And I honestly think like, yeah, I was going to say like, this is like kind of that edge of sex Mm -hmm. and it could, that could definitely be an opening to it. And that could be the start of it. And that could be like what turns into sex, which literally the difference between non-sexual touching or cuddling or embracing to sexual touching, cuddling and embracing is definitely a thin line. And I'd rather see that than see intercourse between a man and a woman to simultaneous orgasm is only sex (laughs) and everything else is literally nothing or do you know what I mean like something else that we don't even talk about we don't experience or we taboo or like it, it becomes this like other land of experience that we lose contact with um this last definition um I actually took this off the website for teen health source Oh boy. Um, in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, have high hopes if I'm if I'm being honest. From Planned Parenthood Toronto. Oh no. Okay, so this is the question is what is sex? Um and I'm really glad that this is for teens. This is really why I'm happy about pulling this definition. So sex means different things to different people. Above all, it is a healthy and natural activity. It is something most people enjoy and find meaningful even if they create meaning in different ways. Whether you are straight, lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, or questioning, you have the right to decide what sex means to you. Sex is pretty much anything that feels sexual. How you, this is capitalized, is not my emphasis, this is their emphasis, how you choose to define sex might be a moving target during your teen years, your sexual interests may change over time, and that's okay too. I am flabbergasted. I, you, you, I didn't expect it to be this encompassing or good. Um, (laughs) I, I think what I'm noticing from all of the definitions, it's either like one side of the spectrum or the other. So if it's like really focused on the emotional component, then it completely leaves out all of the like physiological (laughs) components. And then the converse is true. So like, I think my ideal definition would have been that, but then also coupled with like, there's genitalia involved and like, how yeah, that, the mechanics of it. Yeah, part like, of, part of that's that, so abstract. It is so abstract. And I think part of that is this, we want you to explore for yourself. And I think the guidelines are necessary. Like, so I, I actually did have 
Um, I did read a book called um, Shameless, mm-hmm. um, a reformation for sexual, um, the sexuality in the church. And what it talked about was guidelines as in no animals, no children, and focusing on consent and consideration. And I think those guidelines were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably throw that in here. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can hug, you can kiss, you can feel, you can touch. It could be energy. It could be this, it can be that. As long as it's <laughs> not, not this, that. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it's right. And, and to give people like, here are the guidelines for our society that we've decided are completely like no goes. However, everything else is a go. Um, definitely yeah. a part of my language too is not to yuck other people's yums mm-hmm. and open to that as well but um, this definition right no I really like it I really do um, I, I I still stick to I wish there was just a little bit more because it's almost like when you're trying to look for customer service and they just keep you're on the website and they just keep sending you on a roundabout mission and you're like okay but like what is it though so <laughs> right like what is the phone number so i i wish that there Absolutely. would be something a little bit more concrete in there just to say yeah. like you know these are the sexual organs and yeah. um, they'll definitely have to go into I mean, into pardon it's a website in sexual health. There's definitely going to be some of the, you know, that natural sexual health background. Okay, <laughs> good. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. So then, so then if it's, what is sex. yeah, if it's just like a general overview and then you can continue to research it, then yeah. totally. But if it's yeah, just yeah. like a blanket, it's whatever. That's not sufficient <laughs> for me. That's not sufficient, yeah. <laughs> um, but I hope, I really hope though, when like I'm looking, especially at this last definition, I hope it does open um, the minds of people, adults more than anything else, um, more to what it can be, especially based on what I'm experiencing, um, being able to just be intimate and be close in um, connection and with myself mm-hmm. as well as with others. Um, being open to that is part of healthy sex, not shameful, not um, slut, not, you know what I mean? Not prude, not anything else, but healthy sex. That is what healthy sex encompasses. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we covered a whole curriculum. Like I'm going to listen back to this when I have kids (laughs) and I'm going to create an entire like booklet of resources for them. Uh, it's like one day a long time ago <laughs> this is what sex used to be like <laughs> and people talk about it and boys didn't hold hands because they thought it was gay yeah and, like, right so crazy and then one day <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah you gay. can make a storybook yeah I love it <laughs> And it's like now, right? Because it is, it's like, I feel like we've lived a lifetime of experience Mm -hmm. and understanding. Absolutely. And I I honestly feel like I'm just literally on the edge (laughs) of learning and understanding. And um, I just, I'm, again, um, it's not easy, but I'm very excited um, to open the dialogue and help people to um, I think first and foremost, recognize that they're not broken and that yeah. this was made for them 
um, to enjoy and that they can be safe and they can be happy and they can be um, honored and excited and you know, just like all the good things in this area of sexuality. Um, and it doesn't matter what experiences that you've had in the past or how bad it has been. Um, it's never too late to learn. Absolutely not. And like, it's really important what you said about them not being broken. Like so you're mm-hmm. not broken. The systems that teach you are. So mm-hmm. it just learn for yourself. And I think the fundament of that is learning yourself first and foremost, and that will guide you into learning holistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Wow. I, what boggles my mind is like, this is revolutionary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A thing a that is like person. so natural. <laughs> You are, you are a whole person who has right to understand all the parts of yourself. That's your job here on earth. Enjoy, (laughs) right? Like first and foremost, like that is the revolution for me. That's my own personal revolution for sure is unlearning so much and um, relearning or um, really freshly learning a whole bunch of stuff, but just recognizing that this is part of why am I alive? Mm-hmm. This is it to figure it out, to figure it out for myself, to understand, to accept, and to help anybody else on the path with me. And to just like do more than survive and accept the status quo, like challenge, learn, yeah. grow. You're not yeah. supposed to be the same person this year as you were last year. Fundamentally, of course, but like you're supposed to have expanded so much more. Yeah. That by the end of it, you can look back and have had a fulsome life full of happy experiences and growth rather yeah. than simply, if this was a line graph, just a complete plateau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's, and, and, and that's still available. <laughs> like, yeah, it's still possible that like <laughs> there is nothing that is going to stop that from being relevant because it's your personal experience. And even in, um, even in the religious form and in um, being a Christian, there, there is nothing that you lose from having more experience with other people and understanding people more you gain so much in being able to converse and interact and learn, even if you don't personally believe in it, even if you don't personally accept it, even if you won't personally do it to give you some kind of connection to other people that you can have a bridge to love them, to know them, to value them so that they feel that. And I think we lose that so much because we don't know how to do it for ourselves. Um, And I just love what you said. Like it is, we want others around us to grow. We want others around us to um, have these transformative experiences. We need to be able to practice that for ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And oh if gosh, everybody did that, it would be amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to say like, it has been amazing. It has. It's always, I love talking with you. 
<laughs> I'm like so excited about um, just this opportunity, especially what you said, because yeah, we 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 definitely went through a whole curriculum, like and <laughs> like really undoing some of the. Um, not even undoing. I don't think, think this conversation has to undo it. I think that's how I feel in this conversation, but definitely examining what has happened and what our experiences have been and how that's shaped who we are now. And um, that's amazing for me. I love that. Yeah, I'm really, I'm glad. And I'm just really excited to have been here, but I'm, I just also want to commend you for being brave enough to do it. Um, because like, it's easy for me to come on here and talk, but it certainly is not easy for me to create a podcast where I, first of all, like bear my soul and then allow other people to come on and do the same in the hopes that other people take away from it and like learn and have expanded their minds. Like, that's awesome. So pat on the back for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, honestly, I (laughs) like... Uh, in some ways it's my own little um experience that I breathe through and come on the other side like Mm -hmm. okay nobody died it's okay yeah right like okay everybody will be okay everything will be fine the world didn't fall apart okay we're all right now um and just reteaching my brain that this isn't like the ideas that I was taught when I was younger that in all essence was to protect me. Yeah. Um, redirect those neural pathways, girl. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> if I touch a boy, we're not going to end up pregnant. It's right. not true. <laughs> right. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being so candid. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm excited about the legacy that we're leading yeah. and we're leaving. And um I'm super excited for the opportunities for other people to be inspired to do the same and to have some of these conversations with their friends <laughs> and, yep. their and their partners and their and parents. Yeah. And their parents. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll come back. I'll come back and talk to you when I have that conversation with my mom. That's a whole, I might make a book out of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, we're here for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Have a fantastic, fantastic day, evening. You too. Night. Okay, bye. Bye. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I hope you got all the way to the end. This I never thought about um, doing a podcast so long. However, our conversation was awesome. So please, please, please share this with everyone that you think um, you'd like to have better orgasms and enjoy sex more and just have a more sex-positive culture even personally in their lives. If you are listening on Anchor, uh, feel free to send me a message um, either on the web or on the app. And if you are listening anywhere else, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please subscribe uh, and feel free to join our Instagram page 
at Good Christian Girl Podcast and send me a DM, send me a message, let me know.